Well, glory to God. Verse 18, Matthew 16. Jesus is speaking. Jesus said, I tell you that you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. You're going to like this. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Are you in the church? And why don't you say, I will not be overcome. Amen. Went on to say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, you should have that word by now. You should have you underlined. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. These are the words of Jesus. Amen. How many believe he was telling the truth? There are some other good things that were said in Luke chapter 10. If you go to Luke chapter 10. Now, in ministering along these lines, we've, uh, we've established the fact that, that there is a cooperation between you and me and the Lord that has to take place, or you and the Lord, me and the Lord, uh, for what He wants done to get done. And Jesus verifies what I just said to you. Verse 16 says, He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. Isn't that interesting? How many understand that you and I are representatives of God here on this earth? And it, it is an awesome responsibility and a great thing. Uh, the 72 returned with joy, said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then he said, verse 19, and this is the text we've been looking at. I have given you. You might want to underline those words, given you. I have given you authority. To do what? to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Do you like that? Nothing will harm you. We could say it this, the other way Jesus said it. The gates of hell will not overcome you. Nothing will harm you. Amen. You shall overcome all the power of the enemy. Hallelujah. Well, we, boy, we've said a lot to you, really, in the last two weeks. And I think because you've been receiving so good, I, I have gotten some good revelation just myself. Um, just seen some things maybe that I'd seen before, but hadn't seen them as crisply or as clearly. Have, has that been your experience uh, in this subject as we've been ministering, that you've seen some things maybe, maybe with more definition than you've seen them before? And uh, l- let me just, because these, some of these things are new to our thinking, and to our hearts, let me just uh, reiterate a few things I said or sum up a few things that we've said. We made this a statement similar to this, that so much of the time, the things that we're praying for Him to do or that we're praying for God to do are really things that He's authorized us to do. Would you agree with that in light of what you've heard? And how about this? I mean, could, can we say that so much of the time when we think we're waiting on Him, He's really waiting on us. And that's absolutely the truth. Oh, God, when will you do such and such? When will you do such and such? And isn't it a terrible thing? Because so much of the things that we're asking, Lord, when are you going to do this? Those are things you desperately want. Things that you desperately need. Correct? And wouldn't it be a horrible thing if he was there in an audible way to talk to you? He will talk to you if you listen. Amen. Get quiet enough for long enough. Amen. Uh, but, but if he said to you, when are you going to do what I've told you to do? And that was your answer the whole time. Yeah. Lord, I thought I was waiting on you. What, God, what's taking so long? And he's saying to you, what's taking so long? Yeah. 
How many have heard the old saying, the ball's in your court? You know, one time I was uh, interested in a girl, not the right one. This was the right one. But I was interested in a girl and we were, you know, we were friends and all that. And, uh, you know, I think she wanted it to be a dating relationship and I wanted it to be a dating relationship. And she, but I was, you know, I didn't, I was so afraid of rejection growing up. I had very, very poor self-esteem, always worried about what everybody thought about me, always imagining the conversations that the girls, you know, behind me in the class were having, (laughs) thinking that they're always talking about me, you know. And so, you know, just uh, never did date at all, which was probably a good thing in my case because I was lost and I wouldn't have treated the the ladies like ladies. Um, but, But anyhow, I was just too afraid to ask anybody on a date. I just didn't want that, you know, the, the possibility that they might say no or that they might laugh at me, it would have crushed me. Wouldn't have been able to recover from it at that point in my life. Amen. And I was going to say, oh, yeah. And so I, I was a great one at trying to get the ball in their court. And so this, this young lady, you know, we're just about at that point where, you know, it's obvious that we're interested in each other. And, I, and I, so I, she kind of was bold enough to bring it up, something going on between us. I said, well, the ball's in your court. <laughs> In other words, you decide, and if you decide the right way, then, then, uh, then we're good. And if, if you decide that something shouldn't be going on between us, then I can say, yeah, well, I didn't have anything either about that. <laughs> Amen. And so there are a lot of things where God is concerned and where his things are concerned, where he's done all he's going to do about it because, he, because Jesus accomplished some, so many things for us. Yes. And so the ball's in our court in so many areas. Can you say amen? And, you know, we teach this like we're teaching it today and we've been teaching it. And I'll tell you, it's just been my experience that people don't really believe it, even though you teach it. I'm not saying that you're unbelieving. I'm not saying that. Amen. But but I'm saying, you know, so many times people might admit, well, yeah, that's what the word says, Pastor. You're preaching the word. You're preaching it like the word says. But deep down, they're still, you know, religiously persuaded. And deep down, they still believe that, well, if I don't take care of things, well, God will do it. That might be true for the baby Christian, the one who's just come to the faith, who's not developed enough. Right? And, and then in those times, you know, especially when they're in a church, um, the pastor can use the, his faith. Amen. There's been times, you know, since, since we've had the church here, where whether it's been for a healing or whatever, uh, well, because the person was here, because they were hooked up, yet they were just brand new in the things of God. I'm just thinking of one situation right now. The person's not here anymore. Where I mean the power of God half knocked me across the room when we ministered healing to them. And it wasn't really with any, you know, faith on their own. On their own. You know, they were just a ba- in a babyhood state of Christianity. Well, God will help. How many know God helps babies? Amen. But don't you know that babies eventually have to grow up? Right. You don't carry a 15 year old on your hip walking through the store, do you? (laughs) No. And so spiritually speaking, amen. If a Christian is able to take their place of authority, they must. And if you don't take your place of authority, well, will God do it for you? And the answer is no, he won't. And we even have seen some scripture that where we could say he can't. He can't. You don't get a lot of amens there, but 
Did we not read in verse 19 where Jesus says, I have given you authority. Who did he give it to? Huh? He gave it to you. I'll give you the keys. So who's got the keys? Then you do. Does that mean God's going, well, I don't, you know, I just don't want to put the keys in the ignition. I don't want to put the keys in the door. I don't want to turn the lock. Just want God to do it. Oh, Lord, please take care of, of this. Take care of that. And we, we have to get this out of us because he will not. God is good. God's mercy does endure forever. And when you know the truth and don't do it, he'll let you fall and hit your booty on the ground pretty hard. Ask me how I know. <laughs> I learned these things and for several years had it, just had it in, the, in my head. Well, if I don't do it, God will take care of it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Well, you might be thinking it sounds like so much of this living for Jesus depends on me. And it does. And it does, which is why our message is so very, very unpopular. Right? Do you know that even people whose heart gets stirred up to go seek God that never have, they very much want to find something that requires less responsibility of them, not more. Hmm? But, but I tell you what, it's the difference between walking in victory. Do you believe you can't walk in victory? Huh? Do you believe you can't actually be more than a conqueror? Is that just a pretty sounding scripture? Oh. Come on now, can you be more than a conqueror yes. in all these things? Yes. Anything that happens in life, anything, you know, you an overcomer through his blood. Can you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony all the time? You can walk in victory always. Well, how is that going to happen? Not by spiritually sitting in the recliner. It takes activity. It takes work on our part. Amen. We would all love to win battles without a fight, wouldn't we? Huh? Just step into the ring, have the, have the ref come over, grab your hand, throw it in the air, say, Victor, you won, man. You're the champion. And you didn't have a fight. You didn't answer a bell. How many would love to have a testimony? Blue cards with no test. Just testimony, no test at all. Does it work that way? No, it doesn't. You like to overcome without ever having to come over anything. And you'd like to have things bound and taken care of in heaven without having to do anything on earth. But Jesus said it doesn't work that way. Amen. A successful Christian life is not automatic at all, any more than a successful marriage. It is not automatic. Married people, could you say amen? Huh? Is there work involved in marriage? How many of you knew there was work involved? You would, no, never mind. There is work involved, but if you do the work, you can have victory in your marriage. Amen. Amen. And you can have victory in life if you'll take your place, do your part. Amen. And so we, we said this, for God who is in heaven, for him to work effectively on the earth, it takes the cooperation of those who have the authority in the earth. And we have a great example of what I'm talking to you about, and it's called Jesus. I'd like you to turn, as a matter of fact, just right over to John's Gospel, the fifth chapter. I trust that you're seeing real clear how important this message is. I've been wanting to preach on it for a few years now. 
And uh, I, I knew it would take a significant amount of time when I did get to it. And so there was always something else I needed to get to. Preaching-wise, we try and be led. And uh, I don't know how many weeks it's been that we've been ministering along these lines, but it's been many, hasn't it? So many that we had to take a month off <laughs> to do some other things. Jesus was our example, walking in authority. But, but I want you to see something. I want you to see that Jesus did nothing independently of God. And if you look in the 19th verse, you'll see it just a startling statement that Jesus made. John 5, 19. Uh, the people were mad at him again. And Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Did Jesus say that he couldn't do anything on his own? Now, uh, that does not mean that he couldn't, you know, have a meal or couldn't go fishing. But, but what he's interested in doing, see, he said things like, I must do the, the work of him who sent me while it's day. Amen. He's interested in doing the will of God. Amen. You remember when he was 12 years old and he stayed behind and, and he, he told his mom, hey, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? I must. And so Jesus is talking about his business. And where anything of eternal value and anything that's going to fulfill the plan of God for his life was concerned, there's nothing that he could do apart from his father. Do you know that that piece of scripture that we just read, how many agree that the verse we just read was actually in your Bibles? Did you all find it there? How many know that would mess up a lot of churches' theology? That scripture right there? Well, Jesus just went around tossing out miracles like they were, you know, paper airplanes. No, he could do nothing but what he saw his father do, what he received from his father to do. But yet Jesus did a lot. And so how did he accomplish this? He said, I can't do it my, by myself. And I, just let me ask you this. Did he passively wait around for God to somehow do everything that he saw? Huh? Did he say, well, I can't do anything by myself, so I'm just going to chill. And if God wants it done, if it's my Father's will, it'll happen. No, He did it, didn't He? I said He did it. Lots of stuff. Why? He was authorized to. He was commissioned to. He was God's representative. Let me say it this way. He was God's body in the earth, if you will. How many know Jesus was the only body of Christ? And so what are the Gospels all about? Everything that Jesus did. But Jesus said, I can't do anything by myself. Do you know, have you ever noticed that there were very few times that Jesus ever asked the Father to do anything that he did? The one time where he did a lot of asking was in John 17 which is really the Lord's Prayer. Now we know something else is the, the, the prayer he taught his disciples, our Father who art in heaven. That's the disciples' prayer. But the Lord's Prayer was the prayer that the Lord prayed in the garden. <laughs> but, but don't argue with anybody about that. You know, that's, that, that's silly to argue about. Why did he and, he, and he asked God for this and he asked God for that and keep them. 
Why? Because that was the prayer when he was about to leave the earth. It wouldn't be here anymore. And you can read that on your own time. Amen. He was leaving. That's why he asked for all this stuff. And so let me ask you this. Why did Jesus then pray so much if he wasn't asking God for all kinds of stuff? Because don't you know Jesus did pray a lot? Didn't he? There were times it says, well, he spent all night in prayer and then came out and ministered. He departed to a lonely place by himself. Or, and you know, sometimes you need to get away. It's good to pray as you go. But don't you know, there's times, there's got to be times where you back off and get quiet yourself and get with the Lord. It's so, so vitally important to us. Well, why was he praying so much? Because you, don't, you didn't ever see Jesus ministering to sick people and stopping and praying. Did Jesus ever pray for the sick? Anybody, you know, can, can you think of many times that Jesus ever prayed for the sick? We use that term, you don't want to pray for the sick. Well, what we really mean most of the time is we want to minister to them. But Jesus never took a sick person that we have in the, in the accounts we have. There's only about 20 individual accounts of him working one-on-one -on -one with people in healing. Many, so many of them are repeated that it seems like there's a lot more, but there's just 20. The 20th was the, the guy's ear that Peter cut off and he picked it up and put it back on. But anyhow, did Jesus in any of those times stop and, and pray, Father, we just want to seek you for your will in this matter and we want to pray for this individual that you would do a wonderful work in their life? He didn't do that, did he? He didn't deal with devils that way. Father, I just, there's this individual who's demon-possessed. I don't want to get anywhere near him. I just pray that you would take care of the situation. <laughs> you know what Jesus did say about demon-possessed people? Bring them here. Right here. These are people with foam running out of their mouth. Yeah, I mean, you and I don't run into a lot of demon-possessed people. Huh? He said, bring him here. He dealt with it. He healed him. But he said he couldn't do anything. Well, what was he doing in prayer? He was finding out his directions. He was finding out, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Jesus said, I can't do anything but what I see my father doing, what I hear him say. When did he see it? And when did he hear it? When he was with the Lord. Sounds good to me. Does it sound right to you? <laughs> he wasn't asking God, please do this for me. It was, Lord, what do you want me to do? What would you have for me? Amen. There's a place for asking. There's a right, kind, there's a right time to ask. Amen. I'm not saying Jesus didn't ask his father for anything. Well, no, we know that's not the case. But he didn't ask his father to do for him what he'd been assigned and commissioned to do. He had to do it or it wouldn't have gotten done in the earth. How do we know that? Never had before Jesus was here. Never had gotten done before. I mean, you know, in the hundred years before, 200 years before. Now, times when the prophets were here um, in the Old Testament, there were some miracles, sure. But man was involved with it. I mean, I, you know, I could say this, and, and there might be some examples, but not many. Name me a miracle that God did without man's involvement at all. I mean, the whole Bible. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't any. But, but you be, yeah, creation maybe. But, but you'd be hard-pressed to find many. Think of it now. Somebody always says, split the Red Sea. God didn't split the Red Sea. Go read it. Moses did it. 
Now, Moses couldn't have done it without God telling him to do it. <laughs> but God couldn't have done it without Moses getting his staff and taking that step. Hallelujah. So Jesus' ministry and the way he operated, that's the example for you and I to follow. Pastor, you saying that we are supposed to do it like he did? Uh-huh. Not just me. He said it. He that believes on me, uh, turn to your neighbor and say, this is John 14, 12. He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also and greater than these because I go to my Father. Well, what, what, what do you mean greater than these? Well, you know, you'd have, I don't know if you could argue that you're talking about greater in quality, but greater in scope. In other words, more of them. And then the Apostle John writing in 1 John, you know, he, he said, He that says he abides in him ought to walk just as he walked. Ought to do just as he did. Ought to be just like him. I'll ask you to go to Ephesians chapter 1 if you would. So Jesus is our example and authority. And I, I know I might be taking longer than, than you might think I should take. I don't know. In, uh, in just kind of establishing the, the whole basis of what we're teaching. And what I mean by that is I might be creating in you some questions that I'm not answering the same time I create them. But you believe God with me that they'll get answered before the end of this. This is, this is such important teaching. I, 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 as I've told you, I never will forget reading the Believer's Authority book on our honeymoon. Going, oh, no. And seeing some of the things that I'm teaching you from the Word, you know. Saying, well, that looks like my responsibility. Now, put this book away. And you would have been shocked to see the level of defeat I was living in on a regular basis. The problems I was having with the devil in my life. Doing what? Stealing, killing, destroy, trying, you know, messing with me. Trying to put me in all kinds of, I mean, I could tell you stories that I don't like to think about very often. Amen. And it wasn't until I started not just believing this, but doing this, and doing it not in the fashion, well, okay, I'll try this to see if it works, but taking the word and saying, look, God said this, it works. And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get results. And see, that's, that's faith talking. And you don't talk that way until you get persuaded, and you don't get persuaded until you've heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it. And keep it, you know, amen. And then, then it becomes real on the inside of you. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want you to know we walk in, we walk in good victory. Amen. amen. I, mean, I mean, just to be honest with you, there, we go a long periods of time sometimes and don't even realize we have a devil. No, I don't mean in us. I mean <laughs> as an enemy. Because we've learned some of these principles. I'm not trying to focus on me at all. This is just, I'm just giving you a testimony here. These are things you can do. And so there's principles that if you walk on them long term, you'll just keep the devil waiting long term like Jesus did. And there was lots and lots of times where he said, I wish he'd open the door for me because I can't get in. And so that's what I mean to say when I, when I say that there's, there, there's lots of times where I imagine the devil would love to stop us from preaching like we're preaching today. Mm -hmm. 
He doesn't want you to hear this because it's the end of him messing with you if you do it, you know. But he's going to keep, we're going to keep him waiting in our life. Amen. Do you find Ephesians 1 yet? Hey, you know the best way to keep him waiting while I'm on the subject? If, if I could sum it up into one thing, do you want to know or do you not want to know? Always, always, always walk in love. Don't talk bad about people. Oh, I did the other day. I had to apologize to my wife. I didn't even say anything bad about her, but I said something bad about somebody else. And man, the Lord got all over me. How dare I judge that individual? And quite, I didn't even know that it was true. I just said it because I thought it was true. I mean, I had to repent to him. Amen. That's walking in love. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, you don't allow strife. I mean, if strife comes up, you stop it right away and, and realize, whoa, this is going to cost us way more than just me getting my way. You know, this is not worth it. You walk in love. You, you read 1 Corinthians 13. You find out what the love walk is. Love is patient. Love is kind. And you do, I tell you, you do that, you could tomorrow slam the door on so many of the avenues that the enemy might use to mess with you. I mean, instantly. Instantly, you could, it could change if you'd make those adjustments in those areas. Amen. We all have to. Right. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, We, we were talking a little bit about a little bit ago about Jesus asking, you know, did he ask his father for a lot? Well, here's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church. We, we make a lot of reference to some of these things, uh, you know, a lot of times Wednesday night because we do spend time in prayer. Then we look at these verses. But I don't think I've read it to you too much. Verse 17, Paul said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that you may know him better. Oh, that's a good prayer to pray for yourself, isn't it? Now, now here, Paul's not asking God to do something for us that we can do for ourselves, right? How many know if God doesn't show us things? What's wisdom and revelation? Knowing and seeing Him better, right? That's something that, that's a good thing to ask for, right? He said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. God's got power to back you up, ladies and gentlemen. That power is like, oh, I love this, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You and I have death-defeating, resurrection-giving power available to us. He exerted it in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title or every name that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed, now here's what I'd like you to see. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be what? Say it real loud. Appointed him to be head over everything for who? The church, which is his what? Body. 
the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now we said to you that Jesus was the body of Christ. The word Christ means anointed or anointed one. Jesus was the only one like him in the earth when he was on the earth. But his whole reason for coming to the earth was so there could be more like him. Amen. He wanted more like him. He's the captain of our salvation. The Bible says that, he wants, that God wants to receive many sons unto glory. Amen. And so God did what God does when he wants something. When he wants a big harvest, he sowed a seed. He sowed Jesus into the earth and received back not just Jesus, but a bunch of anointed people. And he sent the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we're called the body of Christ. Did you see that? And that's what I want you to focus on right here. You know, it says, he's the head over everything for the church, which is his what? Are you in the church? Then you are part of the body of Christ. You're part of, now Christ is the head. Everybody say that. Christ is the head. We're the body. The head is in heaven. The body's in the earth. Now, just a question for you here. What can your head do? What can your head do apart from your body? Hmm? Can your head say, we have to go to the bathroom, and your body say, I'm not going? And your head plop itself up off the neck and just jiggle itself back to the bathroom, take care of business, and come back, get back on top of your neck? <laughs> your head can plan. Your head's the head, but it's so dependent upon the body. You know, if you look over just right in the fifth chapter right here. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord today. Verse 23. Well, we better read verse 22 while we're in the neighborhood. Always. Wives, submit. <laughs> Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the, now look, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ. Now notice this. Christ is the head of the church. His what? His body. Look at verse 29. After all, no one has ever hated his own what? Body. But he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his what? Body. You turn over about three, four pages to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Now, if your Bible gets worn out quicker in some places than it does other places, it ought to be in these letters that Paul wrote to the church. Because all of the Bible is written for us, but not all of it is written directly to us. And these letters that were written to the churches are God's writings right to us. In other words, they're, they're for us and to us where we live today and apply to us not only Paul's writings, but also the first few chapters of the book of Revelation where Jesus spoke to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And uh, if it applies to the church in Ephesus, how many know it applies to the church in Orchard Park or Hamburg or Buffalo? If it applies to the church at Colossae, is that how you say it? Something like the C-O-L-O-S-S-E is the place. But if it applies to the church there or the church at Philippi or the church at Thessalonica, it applies to the church here today. Amen. 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 And so Colossians 1, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 18 says, He is the head of what? The body, the church. Verse 24 says, Now I, re 
Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is what? The church. The church. Without the body, what can the head accomplish? Let's ask this. Without the head, what can the body accomplish? Jesus said, I can do nothing by myself. Jesus at that time, He was the body. His Father was the head. Amen. He was the body of Christ. His father was the head. How many know he was totally plugged in? The body and the head are supposed to be connected. Everybody, you agree with that? Raise your hand. Okay. You think the body and head are supposed to be connected. He was totally plugged into his father. He said, I can't do anything but effectively, but what I see him do, what I hear him do, I get it all from the head. Amen. Amen. We are the church. Now, now God, when Jesus left, came up to heaven, God gave him all authority. Amen. Had him sit down at his right hand. Said, Jesus, you're the head of that church. God's, God the Father didn't want nothing to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God the Father said, I dealt with Moses in that bunch. You take this one. I don't know that that's true. Strike that from the CD. No, I'm kidding. Jesus is the head. Who's the body? Without the head, what can you and I do? Didn't Jesus say, without me? You can do nothing. What can we do that's any eternal good, that has any, that has any significance in fulfilling the plan of God for our life without Him? You don't even know what God wants you to do without Him. Right? Apart from the head, the body, taking up space. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Dear Lord Jesus, it's so good to serve you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're, we've established the fact that he's the head. We're the body. Without the head, the body can't do anything. But brother and sister, I have to tell you, without his body, the head of the church is so limited as to what he can do in the earth. You hear terms like the hand of the Lord. How many, you know, reading the Old Testament, you see the hand of the Lord. That's a reference to the, to the anointing, to the Spirit of God. But yet right on the other hand, where's the hand? In the body. In the body. And when the early church prayed in Acts chapter 4, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. Guess who ended up being used to do it? The one, how did God stretch forth his hand to heal? How does God lay hands on people? He gets a body. He gets a body. And he stretches forth his hand. Amen. The head is dependent upon the body. That's why we need to be on the case. We need to be Johnny on the spot. You know what I mean by that? He wants to use us. Oh, if God could look down on someone so, so unworthy as I, he could never use me. I mean, people talk like that. And people that, these are people that go to church. They need to be slapped around. That's what Jesus' blood was for. He made you worthy. You are worthy. You got an assignment. He's given you. He said, I have given you authority. Now get to work and use your authority. Praise the Lord. Stand up, everybody, if you would. Amen. Just lift your hands and praise Him before we're dismissed today. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've commissioned us to do and authorized us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.